Are you poor? We're going to tell you why today. I'm so glad you chose to look directly into the camera. Like an infomercial. We know why you're poor. We do. So. <laughs> We're going to list a bunch of reasons why. And chances are you're probably actively participating in at least two of them. It. I know we're making light of this right now, but the reason that you're struggling is more than likely in this episode, and we're going to have a solution for you, and it's going to be a big time change, actually. And you'll see, here's here's the thing about change also, is a lot of people don't, not only do they not recognize which change they need to make, even if they do recognize the change, they don't think that it's going to create enough of a result for them quick enough for them to make the change. So it's actually easier to stay the same. So we're actually going to go over, when, when we go over these handful of reasons and why you stay poor without even your recognition of it. Once you recognize it, you'll be able to make the change and you'll have an instant result. I think that's the important piece is if, if you go through each of these and recognize which one you are, you'll have an instant result from it and you'll be better tomorrow, literally. Imagine 90 days after. Yeah. yeah. And you're just going to have compounding results from that, yeah. which is really exciting. You won't even recognize what your financial situation looks like in 90 days if you just change something now. Yeah. I mean, even in 30. Yeah. I mean, that, that's actually what's crazy about this. So, okay. The absolute number one that I see without question, especially in young people, especially in people below 30, if you're above 30, um, there's a good chance that you either have a house, you, you maybe have an, an asset or some sort of savings. But if you're below the age of 30 and you're poor, most commonly I see two things. One, you have a car payment. And two, you rent your own apartment by yourself, which is a great way to keep yourself poor because the car note, it, not only not only just a car note, they typically have two. Because two. why have one car if you can have two? Because the society in us, the uh, what's been built into us is we need to replace a car every three to five years. And if the, the old one's not even bad enough yet, we just go get a new one because we justify to ourselves why we need a new one. Oh, I'm going to put too mile, many miles on this one, so I'm going to get another one as a daily driver, and then I'm going to use this that way. I can put the miles on this, but this will hold its value even though it's not going to. I see that all the time, especially in my car people. You used to be a car person. I used to be. You were a big car guy. Ask you me, still are a car guy. Ask me how I know. Okay. <laughs> because I experienced it. I was 23, 22, 23 with uh, a Z06 Corvette and a daily driver Cobalt with the intentions of getting another one. Okay. So like that's three huge liabilities that were only going to steal from me for the next five to seven, eight years. I would assume that a big change you made would have been getting rid of some cars and yeah. rearranging that situation. So what did you do to rearrange that situation? How did you change that? First thing I did was sell the Corvette. Okay. And then if you've listened to any of our other podcasts, you know a little bit of my story. We, we highlighted my story. Like that's right around the time that I let everything go and started trying new things and then fought homelessness for five, for yeah. four or five years. That way Aisley didn't have to. Thank you. <laughs> that way you could just pass the wisdom to you and you didn't have to experience it. Uh, and then, you know, got the first business like really up and running and then, you know, been full-time in real estate for a decade now. So that was really the first step. The first step was recognizing that not only is this stealing from me today and right now, but the lost opportunity cost from the money being spent on it is is now going to cost me money and opportunity for the next 10, 12, 15 years. Okay. From one car, it will take a decade of your life. Wow. Okay. So what about the rent situation? So the rent situation is people typically over rent in the beginning. They either rent too early or they over rent. Okay. Right. Now there's always going to be situations where like, Hey, you're 18 and you got to get out. I get it. And you got to live somewhere. But 
combining incomes with friends and acquaintances or people that you have the ability to live with is extremely wise in my opinion. And or if you have the ability to rent and you happen to have the ability to buy and you choose to rent, I don't think that's wise either. You're going to have, this is the endless battle. Should you rent where you live or should we own where you live? I am in the camp of you should own where you live because if you're young, especially you can buy something or be involved in something that you can have rooms rented out to other people or another unit rented out to other people. And now your living expenses have been cut in half and or possibly eliminated on uh, in the space of where you're actually living. So I think that's really wise. So the, most people are going to call that house hacking. I don't care what you call it, but I just know if you have the ability, right, to get into something and someone else can be in that similar space with you and take the expense while you get the benefit, you need to, you need to do that. Okay. Are there any like exceptions to that rule? Exceptions to that rule, in my opinion, if you are, so you and I talked about this. I also yeah. talked about it with your dad. <laughs> okay. Is that. I didn't want you to house hack. Okay, why? So two reasons. One, you had the financial capability and the income and the wisdom and the experience to graduate through that quicker. <laughs> really quick, I feel like we should note that I just bought a house for anybody who hasn't watched. Um, so that's what we're talking about. I just bought a house. That makes that, sense. That, that, that we needed that context. Yeah, 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 that, yeah that, that, that does yeah. help. Yeah, so now that you're, you've purchased your first home, you're in your house, you bought it well. You have instant 30, 40 grand in equity, in my opinion. Like you've created money out of thin air, right? You've yeah. had the ability to do that. If you have the ability to do that, I think you should do that, right? Because you're creating money out of thin air. And you know a little bit more about what you want to do in your life, which is also important. Most 18 to 25-year-olds don't have that. That's why I didn't think house hacking made sense for you. Because I have the capacity to have somebody else live with me if I wanted to. Yeah, and you want to buy rental properties and other investments yeah. here soon. Like you understand assets and liabilities more than other people your age, without question. So I felt like you had graduated past that. So you're a unique situation. So if you happen to be listening to this or know someone uh, that fits a, uh, a similar um, criteria, like I think you can skip house hacking. But if you're somebody who is literally uh, just trying to get out of the house for the first time ever, uh, you're not experienced in financial literacy and you're just trying to make ends meet, like you should have other people around you. That way you guys are pooling your income together and making rent cheaper. That way you can actually spend on something that comes back to you. Okay. So the biggest argument to this we will get is either young people or people who just don't have the credit score to, or the, like the experience to mm -hmm. buy a house financially. What would you say somebody should do if they want to buy a house, if they don't think that they can yet? So they should start focusing on their skill sets. Okay. Because the number one uh, creator of your income is your skill set. Yeah. That's it, right? So that's the other reason that I felt you had graduated past the point of like, oh, you should house hack. Because if you're a young woman, 18 to 24, uh, I don't know if you should house hack by yourself just because of safety reasons. Like if you had a duplex, I would never want the, uh, the tenant to know that you are the owner. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like I would want management to separate from that. I think that I think that's wise because what ends up happening is if you're living there alone and you've got somebody in the other unit who's knocking at your door at 2 a.m. if there's a problem. Yeah. Like I'd never I would never want that to happen. 
So I think there's different limitations and situations and you should take it case by case. But the number one reason why I see young people really, really struggling is they have all these monthly payments that are taking from them between credit cards, car payments, rent by themselves or over renting themselves because they think they can do it. And then they have a single life change and then they're struggling to make ends meet. That's the number one. And then they go into debt further to like sustain their lifestyle. That's the number one reason that I see young people struggling. Second reason we have is you're worried about your credit score. Yes. People put, and what we mean by that is that people put their credit score, they value their credit score more than their own financial health. Okay. Give me an example of a situation or something that you would see that would explain that better. So I watch people, one, they're, they're scared of credit bureaus. They're scared of the IRS. They're scared of all these agencies and they're literally crippled by fear in their actions and their spending. Okay. Okay. So I see people, they have $100 left to their name and they have a $100 Discover card bill as an example. They will pay the $100 Discover card bill and not eat versus eat and then then try to work with Discover and or be late on the Discover. It's astonishing to me because, well, I don't want my credit score to go down. Why does your credit score matter if you don't have any money? If you don't have any capability to put money down on something, to buy, to truly buy something, own something, and or uh, make the payment comfortably, what's the point of credit? Now, I'm not arguing that this country isn't built on credit because it absolutely is. And that you should, if you can, you should have strong credit, like if, you, if you're financially capable. But I think what you should do is focus on your own financial health first. Like I would rather you have a 300 credit score and 100 grand in the bank than an 800 credit score and 30 grand, or, or, and $30 in the bank. The other day you made a comment and you said, I don't know if we should say that on a video. I'm going to get you in trouble Um, because you don't want it to be taken out of context. But until you clip it and put it as a short form of content, (laughs) which I will put it on the Internet. Then it can be be clipped out of context and we'll have a great time with everybody. (laughs) All the comments will be so mad at you. You said that you you would rather somebody just not make their credit card payment to be able to live. Yeah. So explain that. How did you word that? I think it's. If, if you are struggling financially, let's say you have, uh, first of all, the average American has like eight credit cards. If you start looking through the statistics and the data, it's bananas. Yeah. But let's just say you got a couple of credit cards, two, three credit cards. Uh, you're in a life situation. You have no money. You're trying to make ends meet and you got this couple hundred dollar payment for credit cards each month. I think it's stupid to pay the credit cards because your, your, your credit score isn't going to do anything for you anyways. So that's 600 bucks, 500 bucks, $400 that you're giving to this trillion dollar corporation would be much better used in your pocket for you to be able to build stability and build out of the situation that you're in. Even if your credit score sucks for five years, I don't, I don't actually know why it would matter because what if you had enough money to just pay 12 months of rent up front? Now you don't have to get credit check. Now, now it doesn't matter. Yeah. Or you can buy a house in cash. Or you can buy the car in cash. You can buy something responsible in cash. Like that's the way to you can build yourself out of these situations by actually earning more money, focusing on your skill sets, and not being robbed blind by previous mistakes. So I watch people who made a previous mistake pay for it for 15 years instead of actually learning how to get out of that, focus on themselves, and then just pay it off if they need to. Yeah, and so, this is not to say that you should not pay your credit cards and then use that money to go buy. A- a supercar or, or something silly or go to the movies or whatever but yeah 
Yeah, th- yeah. This is this is when you're in survival mode. This yeah. is not this like is oh, not I'm like tired of paying. You're middle class or lower middle class, and you're just tired of making credit card payments. Yeah, this is when you're in survival mode, and you have three credit cards that equal a few hundred dollars, and you're trying to choose between rent, food, and credit card. Like credit card should absolutely be last, in my opinion. I don't I don't understand why the people ha- people have so much fear around their credit score being low. Because all, most of the most wealthy, successful people that I know have gone through bankruptcy, where your credit score is dirt, yeah. or lower than dirt. Um, how do you feel about the idea of paying for self-education on a credit card? Paying for self-education yeah. on a credit card? So like, I like con- say somebody I, wanted to purchase your course and they didn't have the money and they were like, I'll just put it on the credit card. How do you feel about that? So that to me, that's focusing on your skill sets. Yeah. Right. So to me, that's focusing on your skill sets. If you're focusing on your skill sets, you're giving yourself a greater ability to earn. And this isn't just saying like, hey, this is for our course. I'm saying this is for any self-education. Yeah. Like, should you go into debt for self-education? I think with with the proper context, yeah, because what you're doing is you're trying to advance your life. So you have two options. One, I can not advance. Be, it's a little bit of a chicken and the egg in this situation. Okay. Because most people are like, well, I will buy that or I'll invest in myself when I have the excess capital. You'll never have the excess capital until you invest in yourself because you don't know how to invest in yourself. Yeah, exactly. You need the knowledge and the wisdom and experience to be able to get the result. But you're saying that I don't want this experience until I have my result. So it's backwards. It doesn't work like that. You have to invest in yourself first to get the skill set. And then the skill set can provide, then help you pay off anything, any previous mistakes that you've had. People get behind on things all the time. It's part of life. Yeah. But if you focus on that, you're not going to get be able to get out of it. Especially if it's a valuable skill set that you're learning. Yeah. If you take yourself and, and apply yourself to the, I almost feel like putting it on a credit card would apply the pressure to you to take that skill set, learn it and use it. Depending on the personality type. Yes. Okay. Some people are going to get in debt and just be crippled by fear and complete become completely stagnant. Yeah. Other people are going to go, I got to make that payment. I'm going to get to work because I got the wall behind me now. Yeah. So it really depends on the personality type. Okay. So you're saying, but it can be absolutely beneficial. Yes. All right. So the overall point we're making here is the credit card, uh, your credit score is just not important. Your credit score is not important. Okay. In, the, in are, the grand scheme of things. Here's the thing about credit score and banks. Banks are going to give you money when you don't need it. And when you need it, they're not going to give you money. <laughs> so focus on you. Become your own bank. Build up your own bank. And then you're not going to have to worry about credit score and all these other things. No joke. Not only do I have no idea what my credit score is right now. Dude, I can't remember the last time I ran a line of credit. I actually looked it up not that long ago. Not the credit score. Like, It has been four, five years since I've run a line or an application for anything for myself. Yeah. It's because... We no longer need to. When you started, you had bad credit because you had all those credit cards through college and things like that. Yeah. Yeah. How did you get your first property if you didn't have a good credit score? Yeah. Oh, I guess you don't need a great credit score. Okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. Awesome. I guess you don't need to worry about the credit card payments, the student loan payments. That, I mean, I could throw that one in. Most people skip their student loan payments for credit card payments. Yeah. Which actually... Ironically enough, doesn't really make sense to me. Okay. Because the student loan payment is typically amortized, so it's on a plan. Yeah. It has a minimum payment that'll actually get you to a payoff date. Meanwhile, a credit card takes fifty years on average. If you didn't know that, look it up. It's on the back of your bank statement or it's on the back of the credit card statement. They have to 
they have to disclose that now. So look on the back of your statement and you'll see if you make the minimum payment, how long on average it takes to pay it off. It's going to be between 35 and 50 years. And the student loan also is typically a much lower interest, like a fraction of the interest. So you would think you would skip that one. Yeah. But, or I'm sorry, skip the high interest and pay that one down, but whatever. Okay. People make their choices. People make their choices. (laughs) Okay. Another big one that I see is people focus so much on budgeting that they never actually focus on creating more. And what that does is you end up practicing financial minimalism, which is stupid. We did a whole episode on financial minimalism and why it's stupid. We're not going to dig that hole today because it is such a deep one. But go watch it if if you want to understand more about what financial minimalism is and why it's bad. You sure you don't want me to dig that hole? You can dig it slightly so that they understand because <laughs> they do need context if they don't know. No, so financial minimalism is stupid. But people need to be forecasting, not budgeting. Okay, so descri- just define budgeting and define forecasting. So budgeting, budgeting is where you are limiting yourself. Like I don't want to spend over X amount per week as an okay. example or per month. I'm trying to stay on this budget. That's like the most common thing that you hear. One of the most common things that you hear in, in, in the money world. Yeah. What I almost never hear about, which is what the rich practice, is forecasting, which is I plan to spend money here. So if you okay. plan to spend money somewhere, not only will you stay in creation mode, so you will be working through these problems, creating new solutions for old problems, and make more money because that money has to be forecasted out. And when it goes out, it goes into an asset in which the money will come back and then be able to re- replenish itself. Yeah, That's what's so important about the difference between budgeting and forecasting. So poor people budget. So if you're struggling or if you've ever thought like, I can't spend more than this this week, you're budgeting. Instead of budgeting and thinking like the poor, start thinking like the rich and go, how can I forecast this money? How can I plan to spend this $100 this week on something that will come back to me? So I'll put it into an asset. I'll put it into a self-pay account, high yield savings, whatever it is right now, this self-pay. That way it stays there. It's for me. And once I reach a certain threshold, it'll go out into the world into an investment and that money will come back to me and my velocity of capital will increase. At what point did you start forecasting instead of budgeting? In my life? Yeah. Anya, hi. (laughs) That was a baby. Yeah, baby saying hi. Uh, At what point did I start forecasting? So it would have been when we really started to build our portfolio, which would have been seven, eight years ago is when... It's it's when we really started planning like, okay, we're going to have this money available to go out into an investment by this date. Like we would set a date. Hey, we want this money to be out and working by this time because the quicker you get it out, the compound effect starts to take effect and your results are so much better over time. So then you start adding different assets in line with that. That way you can use the money more than once. That's how you end up creating a wealth cycle. That's honestly so true because in the last episode we talked about how when you when you have something that you know you need to do and you wait 90 days you're like you're going to have less of a like a good result but if you if you're like forecasting you're like I need to spend it by this date I need to put it somewhere by this date you're forcing yourself to take action. Yeah, so money is completely useless until you use it. Yeah. So if it's useless until you use it, why would you try to save it or budget it or spend less of it? You want to spend more of it. You just have to spend it on the right things. That way it creates more of it. Yeah. You don't want to budget. You want to forecast. Yeah. Because if you're if you're acting in financial minimalism and you're trying to save more money to get more money, what are you trying to get more money for? It's a hell of a to question. To have it. That's just to say gr- I have it. It's a great question. Yeah. Because it doesn't do anything for no. you. It's once again useless, which is 
and you're trying to get more of the thing that you're clearly scared of. Yeah. Because financial minimalism is built in fear and lack. So if you're fearful or you feel like you have a lack of something and you're trying to create more of it, you're actually trying to hoard more of the thing that doesn't make you feel good. So it's far wiser to budget or to forecast instead of budget. That way the money goes out, you have a specific plan for it, and you have a timeline for it to return to you. That way you can redeploy it. Yep. There's your wealth cycle. That, and it becomes a wealth cycle. Exactly. Now it's operating above you. And now literally every single day you get wealthier, even if you have a bad financial day. And then eventually you can start borrowing from it. You become your own bank. That's how you become your own banker. So how would you say somebody who either they work like a W-2 or they, they're like middle class? Mm-hmm. Well, how would you say they should forecast? What would oh. be something they should do with their money? Say they, say they have an excess $100 a week. W-2 especially, this is a perfect one. Hey, I'm going to forecast this amount of money towards a self-pay account that is away from me. What do you mean by away from you? So it can't be in the the bank account that you normally use because Parkinson's law says that you will use what you have in front of you. You'll use the resources in front of you. So if you're trying to save $100 a month or $100 a week, whatever it is, right? And you're trying to save that out of your normal checking account. You, it'll be spent on your normal habits. You're already not saving it for reasons because you're trying to save after you spend. Yeah. So what you need to do is you need to forecast what you spend. You can spend towards yourself. So you can take that $100, put it into a different bank with a different checking account or different savings account, whatever doesn't have any fees. That way it can actually grow for you. And not even necessarily grow. It just needs to be able to sit and be available for you when you're ready to deploy it and have it come back to you through an investment. So by having that $100 available to you and putting it and forecasting it to a different account, it's out of your sight. So therefore, it's away from you. So you won't spend it out of habit because what you're normally looking at is what will get spent. And that stays the same. But now you're going to have this account that's growing that only gets larger because it doesn't have expenses out of it. That's how you pay yourself first. I have so many friends, people that I know, where every single two weeks like clockwork mm-hmm. they they know exactly how much money they have in their account and they're like oh i have 50 dollars left i get paid tomorrow every single week and it amazes me yeah like if they just would imp- do this and take even if it is 50 dollars, say you have 50 dollars at the day before every time yeah start with that as soon as you get paid put 50 dollars in a different account would you like to mention them by name and tag them that way they know no <laughs> no would that not be healthy no, no so they're what they're what is happening so they're in a so they're in a habit loop, right? So and and they're and they're in a rhythm. So they're not changing. And the other thing that's happening here is that they aren't recognizing the flaw in their actions. So they are living for Friday or yeah. for next Friday. And their only goal, their only vision, they have very they're very short sighted. I call that not being able to see past lunch. Yeah. So if you're not able to see past lunch, what ends up happening is you live for lunch, or in this case, the weekend, or in this case, the next Friday paycheck. So all you're doing is budgeting to survive until that point you survive to that point you then have a splurge because that's typically what happens you're like three days before you have oh i have 150 dollars left let's go buy a new pair of shoes now you have availability so then you spend your resource and then you budget to survive until the following friday yep and that is the habit loop that they get caught in and since they get caught in that they stay in it they they're actually creating a faster and faster wheel and the bigger issue is every time they spend like that um, or they budget like that, what ends up happening is that capital is lost to them forever. So they have to go re-earn it. Yeah. So the lost opportunity cost on that capital is ginormous. It's huge. 
And this isn't to say, because the biggest argument to this is always, like, um, from the people that I know or the spaces is always, well, just because we don't have a lot of money doesn't mean we can't enjoy our lives too or, like, go out and do things. That's not what we're saying. We're not saying don't go do things. We're saying maybe do one less thing so that you can put that money instead of, you know, the three days before you get paid, go spend it somewhere silly. Put that money into a different account so you can create more money later. One less, but one less, yeah, one less bar tab, one less weekend of nicotine, one less party, one less going out to dinner will result in thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars of compounding growth. And then you can take that money and put it somewhere else. And when you invest it later, you'll be able to add that one more bar tab. All you got to do in this situation is take one step and put it into a bank account, go open a new bank account at a different bank that you don't have access to, like just through your app or through your phone with a transfer or debit card. Don't get a debit card and just put that in there once a week and you'll be blown away about how quickly it grows. And then you'll be able to use it on something that actually comes back to you. That's what I, that's how I started when I was 16. Mm-hmm. When I was working, I worked at a Little Caesars, a little pizza shop. Hot and ready, baby. Hot and ready. When I worked at Little Caesars, I want to say my paychecks every two weeks were like 400, 450 or something like that. Mm-hmm. And every single time I got paid, whatever my paycheck was, I would take 20% of it because of the time I was living with my parents. Mm-hmm. And I would take immediately 20% and put it into my savings account and I wouldn't touch it. So we'll end, the, we'll end this specific uh, topic with this thought and that your self-pay cannot be a 401k yeah because you have absolutely no control over it and if you want to not get rid of your 401k fine but you have to have something that you have control of that is liquid and available to you to capitalize on an opportunity it cannot be in a retirement account that you don't have access to and or if you pull from it because my people are going to be like i'll just loan from it if you pull from it it loses its compounding growth and then it's completely worthless so that is unacceptable as well. It has to be something that you have access to that you control. And if you're confused or you're angry at that statement, <laughs> we have a video on that too. It's called 401k is the devil. <laughs> Go watch it. <laughs> okay, the unscalable. This is where this is where this is where the middle class is most delusional is that they try to trade time for money. My favorite comment when you say that the middle class is delusional is every time on short form you get somebody else is delusional. Someone else. They're talking it's, about you. <laughs> it's not. It's not me, but <laughs> but I'm sure others are, <laughs> because you are limited in your time. Yes. So if you if everyone's got the same 24 hours, and if everyone traded their time for money, everybody would have around the same amount of money, depending on how much they work. But that's not actually how money works. You get paid for value, not time. And a great example of this is any professional athlete. They play for three hours a day. Two hours a day. Sometimes they have days off. How much do they make? Hundreds of millions of dollars a year. How much do you work? 8, 10, 12, 14 hours a day, potentially. Six days a week. How much do you make? 60 grand. It's not by time. It's by value. It's really, really difficult to replace someone at a high level in a professional sport that's creating billions of dollars in revenue consistently. Meanwhile, if you look around you right now, if you're in a cubicle style job, this is how it, like it really hit me. I looked around on our sales floor and I looked around. There was 500 other cubes. There was 500 other Todds sitting next to me at the exact time. If I quit, they took one of those 499 and put them in my cube. I wasn't valuable. I wasn't creating any value. I was just spending time there. That's the problem. So most people, they want to try to create more capital by working more or working longer. And now I'm not saying that there aren't hard times and there are difficult times where you're going to have to work more, especially to create value. 
But if your whole idea is to always trade time for money, you will always be limited in your growth and you'll always get a diminishing return over time because you're not always going to feel good. You're going to get older. You're going to get less productive. So therefore, for you to ever get rich or for you ever to become financially free, you have to stop trading time for money and start recognizing that value is what actually gets you paid. So how do you create more value during the time that you work? That way you can actually get paid more. I feel like a lot of the time you'll hear like friends or people around you, they're like, oh, well, I want to do this, so I'm going to add another shift next week. Oh, man. The, the, the dogma in that. The dogma. <laughs> the dogma. The, oh, well, I'll just ask if I can pick up another shift, or I'll ask if I can have somebody else's shift if they don't want it on the schedule. And then they work a double Yeah. instead so that they can afford to do something. Here's the best part about that. If they forecast instead of budget, that would be super valuable. Yeah, because they would have extra to put into their account that they control that can go out to an investment and come back to them. They would actually secure their freedom for or, or quicker by doing that. But just like you worded that, they're doing a double to be able to afford something. Yeah, it's a th- it's just a thing. If you're working the extra the double and you're working more shifts so that you can take that money and invest it. If you're trying to free yourself later, mm-hmm. that's different. That's it's not past, the that's, same thing. That's seeing past lunch. Yes. But if you're just working a double because you want to take a vacation in two weeks. Oh, it's even, it's, it's even tough to listen to that because that's exactly why the double gets worked. Yeah. Right, I'll pick up an extra shift too. Like, and all of these can compound negatively together. So you can be budgeting, right? So you're living, you're trying to live below your means, but you won't. You're working extra shifts to try and pick up extra to pay for a credit card that you have because you bought a thing. Yeah. See how that just sped up the rat race wheel faster? Like your your struggles only grew. Like your benefits didn't grow. Yeah. Only your downside did. So you're getting heavier and heavier and heavier and heavier. This is why, in my opinion, the middle class is further away from being rich than someone who's poor because the poor person can't get any debt. Yeah. The person with debt has way more, tr- way more trouble becoming financially free than the person who's just broke. And there is a difference. And time doesn't scale. Time doesn't scale. But you know what does? <laughs> what? <laughs> what does scale? Your skill sets. Your skill. <laughs> yes. That's. <laughs> and your value. <laughs> you're, you're absolutely right. Yeah. That and, and then we'll get into hiring and building and we don't need to get When you're that. working for a company, you're, you're putting value into the company, not yourself. Yeah. It's just li- exactly people don't recognize that they think they're putting time into something they're not putting time into something they're putting it like the company only keeps you if they get a dollar return out of it yeah that's how it works they're just just, building off of you and your skill sets yeah people don't recognize their own supply and demand yeah like if you have a super high supply which is me on the sales floor with 499 other sales cubes next to me and 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 low demand because of the job that i was in like you're not going to be paid very much i think my salary every year was I think about twenty five thousand. Yeah, Be- between twenty five and thirty five thousand, somewhere in there was was my last job. And last Monday, I made one hundred and seven thousand. <laughs> so, like, and it wasn't because of time. Like, I worked. Le- I d- okay. So, just a quick example of a case study and a story of like how time doesn't scale, but value does. Purchased a property for sixty thousand dollars, rented it for eight fifty for every every month for fourteen months, and so we're just going to call that ten grand roughly in, in profit, and then we sold it for a hundred and twenty. So we cleared out a hundred and seven thousand net after fees, and that sixty made seventy two grand. Yep. In fourteen months. Here's the best part. I walked through the house one time, and it was a few days before the closing of the sale. 
So if I never worked on it, there wouldn't have been any value by the way most people traditionally think of trading time for money. You can't trade time for money. You have to trade value for money. You have to recognize how to build more value through your skill sets. And it's something that's kind of beaten to our head from a time that we're young. Like you have to trade time for money. You have to work. You have to, you have to go and work eight hours to make money. Mm-hmm. And you have, you're almost undoing that as you get older. It takes time. Yeah. yeah. I think that's the other thing too is when people want to change, maybe they even understand like, I know I'm trading time for money, but everything else is just going to take too long. They're just, they don't recognize that it's not going to take the 20 years to unravel the bad habit. It might take six months. Yeah. So it's going to change and your results going to change quicker than you recognize. So you actually become financially free quicker than you, than you think you will because your, your good decisions have compounding results. So the results get better over time. So your first good, your first good decision might create a $500 result. And your second good decision, you would think like, oh, it's going to be 500 bucks again, so I'll have 1000 Like, no, the next one has a $5,000 result. So now you're at 5500 And then you just do that a few times, and pretty soon you have more money than you even know what to do with. Cinco. <laughs> Cinco. Is people don't recognize that money is a relationship. I think this is the, this should have been number one think so i think this is probably the most important one this i I don't i don't disagree with that because this actually plays into everything every yes everything is based off of the fact that money is a relationship and if you don't understand that then it doesn't matter what you do to fix the rest of them i guess if you're fixing the rest of them you're fixing your relationship with money without even knowing it correct yeah Yeah. you're not necessarily aware that you're fixing a relationship and the way that i like to paint a picture for people with this is you know you ask the question you ever you ever had a needy friend yes you ever want to be around the needy friend? No. So why would money want to be around you? So true. Yeah. So if if, if you're needy for money or you're disrespectful to money, just a, a, other examples of, you know, if you're disrespectful to your girlfriend or your wife, probably not going to stick around. If you're disrespectful to your boyfriend, probably not going to stick around. Right? So if you're disrespectful to money by constantly spending on the liabilities, constantly budgeting, trying to practice financial minimalism, not wanting to be around more of it, not being respectful of more of it, you're not going to have any available to you. Like what you have available to you is going to be spent and it's going to go to things, which is going to put you back on the time, the, 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 rat wheel, the, the rat race wheel of spending more time for money. And then you just start the cycle over and over and over again. Pretty soon you're in a habit loop that you don't even know that you're in. Yeah, but I feel like it's like anything else where if you're greedy with it, you just you're not going to have more of it, especially if you're scared of it or insecure. It's like you like you said, a boyfriend or a relationship. If you're insecure in the relationship, it's it's going to fail. Yeah. And, and the insecurity is is where it's in it's internal with you. So most people they get mad at money. Yeah. Or they say money's evil or money is some sort money of, is the root of all evil money is some sort of problem like there's i mean there's a yeah. number of things out there that people say that other people in pain especially financial pain will latch on to but the, the the key to the understanding of this is they're in financial pain for a reason it's not because the money did anything to them because the money's not doing anything to them if you put money on a table it doesn't it doesn't go anywhere it doesn't do anything i feel like a lot of people also have a financial trauma for money for sure. Like growing up, especially if you grew up poor or even middle class, there's always a fear of talking about money. Nobody ever talks about money. There's oh. a stigma around it. Oh, so the, so what you're saying is just the topic of it being so taboo. Yeah. Actually causes 
a bad relationship with it because yeah, it doesn't have any communication. Yeah. Or the opposite is it's talked about so much, but it's talked about in a negative way that it's beaten to your head that it's negative. Like if you grew up and your parents constantly fought about money or fought about how they were spending money, you're bound to have a bad relationship with money. Yeah. Because they're trying to budget, but one spending yes. is never enough. They're trying to yeah. get to the weekend. They're trying to get to that Friday. The old, the old, the old adage money doesn't grow on trees. Yeah, or parents are sharing, yeah, the, the old par- or money doesn't grow on trees, or parents are sharing their finances with you, but they're making you feel like you're like, if you are built, your, your family's poor and they're like, we're poor, we can't, we can't afford to do this, we can't afford to do that. You, you're going to have a bad relationship when you're going to be scared to spend money because your parents were scared to spend money. Yeah, it, fe- it feels like a, a scarce commodity. Yeah. Which goes all the way, like we said, these all correlate together, which, which co- correlates back to, Trading time for money because the only actual commodity that is scarce is time. is time. Yeah. Yeah, because dollars get printed more every single day. I feel like there's a statistic that like married couples, the like leading cause of divorce or like arguments is money. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's a huge statistic. Yeah. It's 80. It's not necessarily the top reason, but 80 to 90 percent of divorces and breakup have financials listed as a reason not necessarily the top reason yeah but it's listed as a reason think about that and like you said earlier most of the time like the people who are having these issues and they are like money is a cause like of our divorce it's like the root of our problems they want more of it it's very interesting you want more of the thing that's hurting you you want more of the thing that you're so uncomfortable with that it's causing you problems yeah because people don't understand that it's a relationship. It isn't. It's. It's not a. This is just a, a thing and a tool, and that's it. I do believe that money is a tool. I'm not arguing that. Oh, it's a tool, and there it does have value, just not in the way that people are thinking. And if and if and, and if you think of it like any other tool, if you tr- <laughs> if you try to build a car and the only thing you have is a hammer, it's not going to go very well. You're disrespecting the tool. You're you're using it in the wrong fashion, right? Yeah. So. Money to be used as a tool has to be used in the correct way. So then the question becomes, well, how do I use it in the correct way? That's when you become more financial literate. Like you start studying money. You start understanding when it when it goes somewhere. I can ask myself the question, if I put it into this, does it come back? So if I go buy a liability, if I go buy a car and I'm not ready for it, all the way back to our first example, if I go buy a second car, I already have one that works, but I want that one. Yeah. Am I going to have a compounding positive result or negative result from my money? Well, it's going to be compound negative because now you're going to have to trade more time to pay for it. And then the second it has an issue or there's an issue with the other one, now that lost opportunity cost just grew again because you have to pick up another shift, the secondary shift, to pay for something, a thing that is already taking from you to your point earlier. Yeah, and it's not something that you're going to wake up and you're going to, oh, I know how to spend money now. I know how to use money. It's like everything else in life. If you want to be good at it, you have to practice. If you want to be rich, you have to practice using your money well. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) All right. Last time you tried something for the first time ever and you were a master of it. Can you remember that time? Everything I do. (laughs) I'm great at everything. I'm the best at everything. Silly goose. Yeah. So every time, like whatever hobby you have, right? So you're good at volleyball. Yeah. How many how, how many hours do you think you've played volleyball? I can't estimate hours, but I can tell you that for my first two years of volleyball in middle school, mm-hmm. I spent probably two hours a day okay. for like four months straight for two years and was awful. And you were still bad at it. It took like three years of really practicing to get to the level of like of good. 
then yeah. I would make a team like a, a, a good team if I tried out for it. Right. Yeah, exactly. So my next question is usually how, how, how long have you practiced money? And most people stare at me with a blank eye like, you practice money? What do you mean practice money? Yeah. yeah. You've never practiced it before. You've never sat down and watched a video and learned about money. Anything you are good at, you've practiced with. Yeah. And then everybody else is sitting down and going like, well, money's evil or money's bad or it's corruption or it's a problem because I'm not good at it. But yet they've never practiced it with a single conscious thought ever. Yeah. It doesn't make any sense. But yeah, but if they're good at baseball... The, I mean, if they were, if you're not good at baseball, you don't say baseball's bad. Baseball's <laughs> ruining lives. That's not what it is. Right. You just, <laughs> you're just not good at it. When you put con- right, or you've never practiced it. Yeah. And if you have practiced it, you haven't practiced it enough to become competent at it. Yeah. That's all money is. Money, like instead of thinking money is a tool, if you're struggling with money, think of it as your hobby. Exactly. Because whatever hobby that you enjoy doing, because that's why it's a hobby. You can enjoy handling money. Oh, yeah. You it's can like enjoy practice. Yeah. Yeah. If you if you let yourself enjoy it, you can enjoy it. Money doesn't have to be a bad thing. Yeah. It doesn't have to be this taboo, terrible thing. Yeah. I actually enjoy practicing money now. Yes. Yeah. And it's funny how when you do that, it comes back to you. Yes. And then it becomes even more enjoyable to deal with and it creates more options. And then other people see you do it and they go, how are you doing that? You said that you and D a few weeks ago, you told me you guys play a fun, a fun little game where you put money into your account. Mm-hmm. I think maybe you or D told me this. Okay. And then you try to see how long you can go without putting more money into that account. That's like a way you guys practice your spending. Yeah. 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 Yep, yeah. So we'll, so we'll, we'll forecast for something. Right? Yeah. Whatever the investment is, whatever it is. I don't have an example off the top of my head, but like we'll forecast for something and we'll have an expense account. Right. So what we'll do is we'll put like, just to keep us like super sharp, we'll put into our expense account, like what we think we can live off that month. And then our goal is to make it last more than the month. And we'll get like super aggressive with it to the point of, (laughs) to the point of we'll put less than our monthly expenses in it and try to make it last past the month by creating more elsewhere. And like, we'll, we'll play a game of like, all right, we can't use any of the money that we normally make. We have to create new money. Yeah. But that's putting you in the space of the headspace of creating it's yes. putting you in a growth mindset. It's not, you're not doing this out of a scarce mindset. You're not, yeah. you're not trying to make yourself spend less money. You're, you're making yourself, you're forcing yourself to create more money. Yeah. I think on the YouTube channel, we're going to do a challenge where I'm not allowed to use any money that we already have, any assets that we already have. Any, any connections. Any connections. Yeah. That's, that's, that's the, the tough that's part. That's the tough one because it takes, it takes so long to network sometimes. No connections that I have. None of the relationships that I have. And create an extra $250,000 to go buy a Ferrari in cash from $0. I'm only allowed to use my experience and my wisdom and my mindset. That's it. And whatever skill sets I have. Yeah. Yeah. That's going to be interesting. Yeah. So, but it's, it really will prove that money's a relationship. That's the, that's the whole goal of it. Yeah. The goal of it isn't even the Ferrari. It's to show that you like, can be at zero. It's, it'll show your, your trading time for money. Mm-hmm. It will show your money as a relationship. Mm-hmm. If you if you treat it well, it'll come back to you. It's it's gonna yep. that's gonna be really good. You'll it's, be able to teach so many lessons out of that. It's also not gonna be it's it's gonna be starting with zero too. Not a penny, not ten dollars, not a hundred dollars. Yeah. That I'm like trading that I'm trading up for it. Like no, starting at zero, I have to trade a skill set for a return, and then allow that return to grow into something of you know quarter million dollars or something like that. Stay tuned. I think that's gonna be the I think that's gonna be the challenge. Yeah. I think I want to do that on the channel. Yeah. That'll be fun. So last 
Let's do, let's do one more. Let's do okay. one more. Last one. So last one is we do not know where our money is going. This one is... I bet you could ask nine out of ten people and go, "Where? What's your largest expense every month, besides maybe rent or mortgage?" They but, like rent, mortgage, car payment. Yeah. Like, like besides the those. The, yeah. the two. Yeah. They probably don't know where their money is going. Okay. In what sense? Give me an example. Where is their money going? Tell me. Uh, most commonly, after working with literally thousands of people through their finances, most commonly it's going out to eat. That's. Uh, huge one that they don't realize is racking and stacking up so food outside the household is what i call that and amazon amazon's a big one amazon's the next one um i would just like to give you a quick shout out what was your uh doordash bill uh oh like like maybe let's say uh, two years ago twenty five hundred dollars a month that is unbelievable did you know what was happening were you consciously aware of that or was that something that you you realized it and you were like ooh. I knew, I knew it was, I knew it was substantial just because I used it a lot because I used it multiple times a day. Like yeah. Just you would just DoorDash all of your food. I wasn't leaving the house at all. I was yeah. just building and having fun and doing whatever. So I just had everything delivered. So I knew it was substantial. I didn't know it was 2,500 though, but yeah, my, my DoorDash bill on average for, uh, this is the, this is three years ago for the first 12 months of being here was yeah. On average, 2,500 bucks a month. Yeah. So I spent $30,000 on DoorDash one year. <laughs> that's unbelievable. That's some people's entire year's salary that you spent on DoorDash. That's my old salary. Yeah. 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 <laughs> that's unbelievable. Yeah. That being that being said, DoorDash used to have some like really good deals. There's like no good deals on DoorDash anymore. Yeah. Like a Chipotle burrito is like $22 delivered now. It's like That's ridiculous. Yeah, that's like, ah, oh, that's stupid. Like I don't need I don't want to be like money's a relationship. I don't want to be disrespectful. Yeah. So the first year there's no being, there's no that is not worth twenty two dollars. No, 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 no. It's not, not that you have all. a fear of spending twenty two dollars. It's that it's a Chipotle burrito. Yeah. And yeah. and you know, they've added a bunch of like fees and stuff like that. Yeah. But uh yeah, twenty five hundred bucks a month was my average DoorDash bill for the first twelve months of being here. But now it's literally zero. I never use it anymore. Okay, so how would you They lost a top customer. They did. <laughs> yeah. I had to be a top they customer. They had to right? fire somebody in the office because you just <laughs> they cut lost their thirty thousand dollars. They lost a yearly salary yeah. because of me. They lost an employee on that. Yeah. Um what would you say that the average person what 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 are the what does that look like for them? What do you mean? Oh, in their in their expenses? Yeah. Like, what like, what is the what is the top like you said going out and what uh, else? Food outside the household. Okay. There, there's actually two different there's two different categories to that. Food outside the household is for most people. Yeah. If they go out a lot and they like to drink, it's actually alcohol. I feel like that's a big one and you never yeah. realize how much you're spending on alcohol when you're going out. Yeah, because a shot is 10 bucks. Yes. And you think, oh, I just had one drink. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you just had one drink, but it was $15. Exactly. And you do that a couple of times a week and pretty soon you've spent a couple hundred dollars. Yeah. Um, I mean, you can definitely spend a couple hundred dollars in a weekend or or in a night. Yeah. But let alone, you know, you compound that over a month or a couple months. I can't even imagine how, some, how much that, people spend in a year on just drinks. Yeah, and then on top of that, what people aren't recognizing is if you spend $10 on a drink, you actually spent roughly $14 on it because you had to earn the income, pay taxes on the income, and then buy the drink. Yeah. So you actually spent 14 or 15 bucks. Well, if you want to, we can go if, and... Oh, if you want to go on down the line of the lost opportunity costs. The gas of how and, much, and, and yeah. them getting there, the time that they're spending at the bar. It's a $25 drink. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. For some people, it's more. I wonder how much a drink at a bar would cost you. And to numb themselves. Yeah. Yeah. Think about that. Think about if I am going to a bar and if you average out like what I make an hour, let's just say I make two grand an hour over the value that I create or whatever it is. I mean, my book alone does that. So if my book alone does that, it's, it's going to be far greater, but let's just, let's just use a thousand dollars as the example. And I'm out for three hours and I buy a $10 drink. That drink cost me $3,010. That is <laughs> absurd. But once you get to that level, you start yeah. to understand. That's why you're never going to see me go out and drink. Yeah. You gain, an, you gain a better understanding of what your time is worth. Yes. Okay. Yep. Now most people are going, well, what if I just want to go out and live and they make the excuses like, I get it. It's fine. It, it's your decision. I don't want it for you more than you want it for yourself. Spend your I'm time how you want to, but just understand the effect of how you're sp- like how it affects your life. Yeah, if you're aware of what you're doing, yes, you're it's a success. If it's something that you value in yourself and you're spending that time, that's fine. If you're aware of it and you you are actively choosing to do it with an understanding of what that time costs you, that's fine. Yeah, but if you are trying to budget to survive till Friday and then upset about it and mad at money and mad at your employer, that's different. That is the ultimate failure because i hear that a lot i travel a lot and i hear that a lot (laughs) you travel a lot i've taken 25 flights this year so far (laughs) and i still have like seven more that is amazing yeah so i've i've taken 25 flights this year i've traveled a lot while having more money than you've ever had today yes but a lot of the time people especially people who are close to me but not close enough to understand my financial situation and how i make my money or just how i live they're like you're spending so much time traveling. You're 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 gonna like you're gonna go. You're gonna be poor. You're gonna, be you're gonna lose all your money. Yeah, that's a big thing. That's something that I deal with a lot. Is people telling me that I'm not gonna have money. I needed to cut back on my traveling. Like when I bought my house, mm-hmm. everybody said, "You are going to stop traveling because you have you have bills now." Wait till the house has another comma. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that'll be a little different. Yeah, I understand. You built your house. You, know, you didn't build your house, but you you built this space here, mm-hmm. so you didn't have to leave because you didn't want to leave. I'm the opposite. I would rather have a house yeah. that is like perfect for me to live in, that's comfortable for me, and has everything that I need, but travel and get out of the house. Yeah. So that's exactly why I have this compound. You have a fortress. Yeah, because with I, a moat. Yeah, because I don't with sharks with lasers on their heads. Because <laughs> I don't want. Yeah. <laughs> Because I, yeah, I don't I don't want to leave. Yeah, exactly. Where that's, I'm the opposite. I want I want every reason door, to push me out. Yeah, that's why the DoorDash bill was twenty five hundred dollars a month because I didn't want to have to leave. Yeah, where I'm like, don't let the door hit you on the way out. Like if I did, if I had, or if I ordered DoorDash and used DoorDash and delivery services in general, the way that I did the first year here, now it would probably be six grand a month. Yeah. that's how much it's gone up. But you have a, also have an understanding of what your what that's worth to you and that's why you don't do it now yeah that's like that's why i've never mowed a lawn in my life yeah if, like mowing a lawn is stupid why would you ever mow a lawn unless you enjoy it of course but why would you enjoy it's still kind of stupid but <laughs> like why why would you why would you ever mow a lawn like that's an hour you can't get back and if if you're smart about it yeah if it's not like a passion of yours or a way to make money or build a business why would you ever mow your lawn yeah because you have to buy equipment for it you have to maintain the equipment. You have to take the time to do it. And then you have to not enjoy it and get out of rhythm and doing something productive. You almost have, you have to spend back. the morning building yourself up to do it. You spend like an hour just sitting there like, I have to mow the lawn. And then you mow and then you, you get back inside and you're like pooped and you're like, oh, I can't yeah. believe I just did that. And if you're creating value, if you understand value, what you're going to do by hiring that out, you're going to create a relationship with somebody who's great at it. 
who right. does enjoy it, who, who either enjoys it or is building a business out of it, you're creating opportunity for other people by not mowing your lawn. Yep. Like my guys, my guys are amazing. Not only are we friends, we create opportunities together. Like we share things together. Like that would never be there if I was the selfish dude that was like, I got to mow my own lawn. Because I don't want to spend that money. Because I don't want to spend $400 a month. Like that's stupid. The first time you explained to me that allowing yourself to pay somebody else to do the things you don't want to do, you're not good at is providing an opportunity for somebody else. It yeah, it's respect. It's respectful. I love the people that are like, if you pull up to a gas station in a uh, in a supercar, right? Because it makes more sense to buy a supercar than it is to drive a Hyundai. Because Hundas are like driving a your twenty thousand dollar car is stupid. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't make financial sense. If you pull up in a supercar to a gas station and people are like, oh, you know, that money could have gone to providing for other people. It did go to providing for people. There's developers and manufacturers and engineers and owners and managers and employees of Ferrari. Yeah. And guess what they have? Families. So me spending a quarter million dollars on a car is more respectful than you spending 20 grand on a Hyundai. Yep. It's the same thing as if I think about my photography, there's plenty of people who will go outside and take an iPhone and take pictures of their, of their kids or their family mm-hmm. or themselves or whatever. But if if they don't, if nobody people who aren't good at there's definitely people who aren't good at photography sorry and they don't recognize that they're not good at it and they they need better photos if they don't recognize that themselves and are not willing to spend the money then i don't have a job yeah 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 and they're providing opportunity for me yeah you thinking that you should do everything yourself is actually selfish yeah and what ends up happening is because you're doing all those things you don't know where your money ends up going it's selfish and it runs you into the ground. How yeah. will you ever build a skill set or be good at anything if you're doing everything yourself? And then what do you end up doing? You end up splurging here and trying to survive till Friday. Yep. So you don't know where your money so you don't know where your money's going, right? Because you don't have the time or you're not taking the time to track where it's actually going. So the money is leaving you and not coming back because it's going into things and liabilities because you gotta do everything yourself. Yeah. Right? Which is ridiculous. And then you're trading time for money, which which puts you into a further cycle of trading time for money. And then like this goes all the way back through everything that we've mentioned here, all the way back to the beginning of now you own two cars. Now you're having to rent. Now you're stuck in a financial situation that you're not happy with. Now you're trying to budget and survive till Friday. Like it, do, it just compounds and blows up on you. It's also the same thing as how you always say that the first time you fly first class, it changes your it's life because expensive. you never, yes, it's the most expensive <laughs> flight you'll ever take. And you, you don't, you won't ever want to go back. It like, yep. it motivates you almost to keep going and to keep pushing and working and building. Yeah. It's the same idea. And honestly, I would say something you should take from this episode is I think that the people should pick something that they don't like doing. Mm-hmm. Something small, whether it be mowing the grass or on the last episode, Tony and Josh talked about doing an oil change. Yeah. Something that you do that you don't like doing that's a time sucker for you. That someone else is good at. Yes. And gets somebody paid else. For. Yes. And go find somebody else to do it and pay them. Yeah. And, and, and feel how that feels. And imagine doing that for all the things you don't like to do then. Yeah. 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 Because everyone doing those things, right? If they own the business, if they are a branch of the business, typically they have a skill set behind it. Usually when you're good at something, you don't hate doing it. No, typically not. So if they're doing those things, there's a very good chance, there's a high probability that they don't hate doing it. And if they don't hate doing it and they're enjoying it, their life is getting better. They're getting paid. You're not having to do it. Your life is getting better. And by them getting paid, you're providing them the opportunity to become financially free because they could be learning those skill sets and have the capacity to learn the skill sets and build. Yeah, you're literally pouring into their, their well cycle while you're able to focus on your own and build your own. Yes. It's win-win. People don't see it like that though all the time. And those are our six. That was... Was that six? It was six. 
That was six. So those, so, so those are so, okay. So those are the six. Like if if you're listening to this and you're struggling financially, I I do believe that you're going to fall into one of those categories. I do too. Like if either, not more than one. If there's a very good chance it's more than one because they correlate together. So I think much. honestly, it's like relationship with money and everything branches out from under it. Yeah, like all of those were actually byproducts and symptoms of having a bad relationship with money. Yeah. And or thinking you need two cars and the new apartment and, you you, you know, you replace your phone every year. It's $1,000 every year then. Like yeah. $1,000 could go to you. So I think that's, I, th- I, th- I think that, I think that's the big thing to take away from, from this is just understanding that if you have one of these things, it could be solved right now. Like if you're aware of it now, because you're like, oh, that one's me. You can just stop doing whatever it was that we have. If you got the two cars and the apartment right now and you're struggling with rent, just sell one of the cars. You don't need yeah. two or three cars. You don't. If you're a two if if you're a two car household right now, think of how to get down to one or think of how to pay one off. Like And then fix your relationship with money and you can have five cars later. Yeah, that exactly. Because yeah. it's gonna come back and pay for itself. It's gonna end up being free for you in the long run. Yeah. That's a wrap. That's a wrap. <laughs>